Mistress. Famously, obviously, Chinch doesn't wash any of his clothes. He doesn't. I do do the washing. He, 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 do wears, anything. Do. he wears things once washing. and throws them away. <laughs> I do not do Like all footballers. My underpants, which I don't wear. <laughs> I do all the washing. I do all the washing and all the. I love hanging out washing on an area. In Portugal, we have this what really you amazing. Love? I love. That I have a way where everything's got to be in its. Pl- I can't just put towels next to socks. They have to be in an ed- where the wind can really work them. Yeah. Right. So hang on. So what's the order? Well, I can't. Until you gave me a load of washing to hang up <laughs> and a dryer, I had work it out as I saw what I, I was. Yeah. I, I think actually before I left the house, Kate was just putting a load on. So if yes. you'd like, if you'd like is to this come an over, OCD thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. We can have it fully itemised. Oh, I think be it is an OCD. But then again, the clothes do get dry quicker. Nikki just said it doesn't matter. Of course it bloody matters, doesn't it, how you hang If you put them two bigger things close yeah. together, they can't get the wind, can't penetrate. We now have an outdoor era, yes. which I consider the, ha- the height of bourgeois luxury. Isn't that called a washing line? No, it's not a line. Is it's it a, a whirly gig? It might be a whirly gig. It's what you plant oh, it in the... Oh, a central yeah, a thing, like gig. a spider's yeah. web thing. Although, weirdly, Kate made me rubbish. put the hole for it that it goes into in the middle of the lawn. So it looks like we've built the garden around <laughs> the washing thing, which is not a good... I don't think we're going to be invited did, did to the... Did you cite it for optimal sunage, or did you just whop it in the middle of the garden? She just wanted it in the middle of the garden. Hmm. It's very so odd. You really so you have to that drill a hole. Have you? you have to get, like, a, an impressive piece of machinery, or did you just, like... No, you hammer just, it in like a steak. You get a plastic like a thing that goes in and then it slides into yeah. the. But yeah. you should really go out at ten, between ten and two and see what, what the sun's doing in the wind, mm. and then you at the optimal position. <laughs> to I don't know if you've noticed, but we live we live in Manchester where it has been raining since June. I wouldn't know. No, you've been oh, in sunny Portugal, haven't I you? No, yeah, it's yeah. probably been too hot. Apparently, I've not seen you for mm. about six weeks. You missed me, haven't you? I've, I've really missed you. Yeah, yeah. My life has felt empty and sad. Was there, there, a was a, there was a, an incredibly meaningful yet manly hug. When he, when he arrived, and yeah. And slightly yeah. arousing, if we're all completely honest. Oh, is that right for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, as an onlooker, I, you know. Well, we all weren't aroused, were we? You obviously were. Oh, is that what you were doing? Those involved to hide in the hug, it. and I certainly wasn't aroused. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did it get uncomfortably tight at any point? You know, he's very muscular. He is man, very muscular. Does he, does yeah. Does he not know his like, hug? Could you... I have a more sort of willowy strength. Can you actually reach round, Chinch? Can you join hands around the back? I mean, is a question me. about chinch and reaching round. Not going to do that. <laughs> Welcome to Set Piece Menu. This is the podcast where four friends talk football over food. We are together again. Hooray! Oh, the Lord. Thank you very much. That was not at all rehearsed. Much water has passed under the bridge. Many countries have been visited since we were last to force them with either pet or child-based restrictions, of course. Uh, last time we were all together was the wedding day, would you believe? Since when my new wife has been ill about 60% of the time. So clearly her body is trying desperately to tell her she's made a huge mistake. And she should listen to her body at all times. We could have told her months ago she was making a huge mistake. We have um, certainly not made a huge mistake in terms of our food today. Steve, even though he was up at 4am this morning, provided us with dot, 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 what's it called? Well, it was a a Copenhagen-inspired brunch. I'm very much, you know, a Europhile and the embracer of all cultures and cuisines. Are you? When are we going to interrupt? <laughs> and, I want to see uh, how, how deep the hole is. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, you know, we're back together again after many weeks apart. I need to do something to treat the chaps. And uh, we had a, a wonderful brunch, Katie and I, when we visited Copenhagen a couple of years ago. And I thought, do you know what? I shall try and recreate it right here, right now. And it worked. It was delicious. It was the nicest. This feels a bit like it's damning with faint praise. But it was the nicest toast I've ever had. <laughs> well, of it's, it's the best things. of both. It's a little bit, little bit white, little bit brown. Okay, because that's the ideal bread for the sure, alloy is always stronger than the base metal. So there was granola and yogurt. There was fruit. There was salad, 
cheese. Chipolatas. Chipolatas. Bacon. Crispy bacon. Really crispy. Parma ham. Parma ham. Hash browns. Hash browns and an egg. Yeah. And toast. And toast. So basically, a little bit of everything. Yeah. That you could possibly desire I mean, for breakfast. Almost speaking, a smorgasbord, but that would be, nationally wise, a massive mistake. If you, if you said to me, Rory, do you want fruit and bacon on the same plate? I'd say no. But now Steve has opened my eyes to the, the magic that can happen when you put things that don't belong on the same plate on the same plate. It was, it was also inspired a little bit by the fact that we have had some communication from people on Twitter concerned about how our diet has deteriorated since uh, Set Piece Menu has uh, been produced and that we've literally got to the stage where we were eating the kind of food that a middle-aged man would take to a cricket match, which was just basically <laughs> Marks and Spencer's mini bites and the occasional cup of coffee. Do you think that that's a sign that the romance has gone? Uh, yes, we're, we're being lazy now. Have we lost the romance? Yeah, we're going we through the emotions. Will we start recording in our pants? Do we, do, do we actually really oh, I hope so. Because oh, oh, oh. I don't wear... Oh, sorry. Carry on. Oh, is is it, that's is, out. Does he... Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have any. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that, right. that would be that would definitely be the love is over. Yeah. Love has been replaced by habit, which is you know how relationships work. Really, it is. There was a beautiful reading that you you in fact put that out. Is Ron Wedding? Uh, <laughs> I'm not cutting that thinking out. Of, <laughs> I was thinking of my wedding and not your wedding. There's a beautiful reading that people have done at weddings about that very subject from Captain Torelli's mandolin, which well, is settling yeah. into a comfortable rot. <laughs> but, yes, but yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. it's phrased slightly nicer. Where you oh, don't okay. really talk anymore, you just sit yeah. in front of you know endless reruns of television programmes that you never really liked in the first place, Escape but the you, sun. you might as well. Yeah, but we just can't sit here comfortable in each other's company. We have to say something because well, people demand it of us. There was since a certain... I think we've been doing six, six months and not said anything at all of any value. I think we, we can keep on going. Who? Me? All, no, all of us. Oh, all of us. Yeah, not just yeah. mainly not, you. Not but... just me. <laughs> Thanks for being with us in our various forms. There were various forms over the close season. Uh, very successful they were, these multi-part specials that we did, English football, uh, transfers and loyalty. So thank you to everybody. They were downloaded, let me tell you. Let's talk metrics wildly. Wildly. Was it the one I wasn't on was the most popular? Yep, that's is that, right. Is that still the case? But just imagine if all four of us had oh done every God. single one of them. No, no. Can I go back to the point? The, the one I didn't do yeah. is the most yeah. popular one. Yeah. Oh. So there's those I'm people really, really who only listened to the transfer special. Can I introduce you to all four of us for the first time? Uh, they are Andy Hinchcliffe, seven-cap England international, who is now qualified to play for Portugal via residency <laughs> laws. Rory Smith, New York Times chief soccer correspondent who had a fashionable staycation to Wales. Absolutely. So he could take the dog. Stephen Wyeth, the BT Sport commentator, who, if he got air miles for every trip to Salford and back he's done this summer so far, he'd be able to afford to go somewhere other than Salford. And I'm Hugh Ferris, who made history the other day on behalf of the podcast. I contributed to a radio show as the host of Set Piece Menu, Did you? Wow. talking about one of our subjects. I was introduced as the Set Piece Menu So person. you are the, the face. Oh, God. You're no, the face radio. of the podcast. It was radio, so there was no faces. You're the voice of the podcast. It was BBC Radio Gloucestershire. Yeah. And we were talking, remember, we talked about second teams. Yeah. yeah. Episode 24, by the way, everybody. Download it right now if you haven't. Yeah. Um, so they, they decided to get, get me on. Uh, last week. So how did they? How teams. did they actually introduce you? Um, brilliant friend of Andy Hinchcliffe is how they introduced me. Did, did you? Did he you, knows Andy did you Hinchcliffe. Take, He's good enough for us. You took Andy's all the credit, Portugal. setting it up, and being the main voice. No, we, and they just introduced me. We then talked about second teams because Forest uh, Green Rovers have had their face face stuff done for FIFA 18. And they're the, the face recognition stuff that you get yes. on FIFA 18. Yes. Uh, they're the only team outside of the top divisions in Europe to get that done. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, BBC Radio Gloucestershire surmise that that means they'll be everybody's second team. Why? Why Forest Green? Why Forest Green had? I have no idea. 
that wasn't the story they were getting me on about. I was the follow-up conversation. Right, okay. <laughs> um, you can get in touch via Twitter at Set Piece Menu, um, and not just to complain about our dietary issues, or on the email setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Coming up, um, we have the Set Piece Menu post box. It will be emptied. I promised that we would get to more of your correspondence throughout the summer. We will deliver eventually. It will be today. Uh, plus, we'll be telling you about a competition that you can enter that will bring fame and glory to one, or maybe more, not sure how it will work just yet, podcast listener who can predict most accurately the finishing Premier League table. Oh, Details to follow. That is what you call in the industry, Andy. Is it a tease? It is a tease, correct. Uh, We also have a subject to discuss, as ever. Um, But before we get to that, another thing that we've been teasing you with and that we will now reveal, and if you've been on our social media, you may well know what we're going to talk about. Um, A gentleman called Mark Cole has provided us with a game of set-piece menu bingo. Mm. He's actually entitled it Drinking Game slash Bingo, but we've got two teetotalers on the team, so let's just call it Bingo, which you can enjoy with or without alcohol. Uh, so if you'd like to head to at menu, we are tweeting it out, have tweeted it out, and you'll be able to see uh, just exactly what those elements of the show that Mark Cole feels <laughs> will serve you well if you're attempting to either get drunk or get a line or house. Do I, do I need to get some shot glasses out of the cupboard? <laughs> no, you don't, unless you're having coffee in a shot. I feel that the bingo is A, a wonderful idea, but B, slightly malicious towards me. Oh, here we go. Well, it's only because you knew this most. was going to happen. I, so precious. I feel, oh. I feel like I'm being picked on a little bit, but it is a good idea. Well, let's a have a look. A man who gets as much abuse as you do on Twitter has surely got a thicker no, skin. Do you know, no, but you know what? I've, I don't get... I shouldn't really admit this. I don't get as much abuse on Twitter as I used to. Does I oh, basically you miss it? No, not at all. <laughs> I've kind of stopped. I have to kind of write, remind myself to tweet now. I, had, I've, I think I've come through. I still do, I'm on Twitter all the time, checking what's happening. But I just kind of have to. And the, the number of times that you you write out a tweet and you just delete it, and you think I can't be bothered. People don't need to hear that. So I, I, more I people should do that. By <laughs> yes, the way. that should you know, be a guiding principle. And then delete it. I can no longer <laughs> complain about the amount of abu- uh, amount of abuse I've got on Twitter. So please feel free to get in contact. <laughs> <laughs> there is a hole in Rory's life. Just to just to tell Rory and others about how many of these uh, Rory appears in. Rory's dog appearance by a spouse, which covers all, but mm. also Rory. Uh, Misters on there. Yorkshire's on there. Um, NYT is on there. The Sean Dyche voice as well. Um, Doctor Smith. Slash Steve's brother, who apparently have equal footing in the world of celebrity. Do I talk about my mum a lot? That 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 one really surprised me. You talk about Doctor Smith enough, and it's not just about the um, the coffee buns. Uh, oh, Leeds yeah. is in there, and and perhaps best, and this is the one that uh, offends you the most. Dot dot dot, but dot dot dot. Yeah, I didn't realise he. Th- you notice when Rory is fashioning an argument, he yeah. often sets up one side of the argument so that he can crash it down. I see. And his link word is a very very isolated and well uh-huh. enunciated and quite northern but it's a but, but. It's, but. it's not but it's but so anyway, you juggle the ball the, and then you volley it exactly yes. this has made me t- tremendously self-conscious because this is something that happens quite a lot when I do radio so I'm going to have to try and find another word I'm thinking about however I'm circling <laughs> however at the moment we'll see where I take it I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested the one that hasn't made the cut which because is. there was a draft version of this. Wait, what's and been then cut? Mark, the- no, no, no. It, and it, it wasn't on the draft version and it's not made um, the, the subsequent final version. Where's Totty? Totty. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Totty more than Dr. Smith I in many ways. I don't know if I've mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> has that come I up? wonder if uh, it was retired oh, from possibly, the bingo yeah. sheet just yeah. at the same time as he retired. So the football. bingo sheet, has Rory got more... 
I think so. Mentions as, as far as far as you go, you've got David. Oh no, Jones, don't, mean, don't mean about me. I mean, it's not all about me. Your famous but architect is, is, neighbour. Is he the most popular? Portugal's in there. Seven Caps is in there. Don't, Howard Kendall's in there. Donut be, Juice. Donut Juice is in there. Everton. Superdry, of course, is almost central. Yeah, but to be fair, important. I don't say Superdry or Seven Caps. You all tend to do that. But it doesn't That's matter. True. It's the amount of times that it's said, so that isn't not by whom it is said. Mm. So get your cards ready, everybody, because here we go with another subject to discuss on Set Piece Menu. We are just days away from another Premier League season, and we're pretty used to the idea of all the new big money signings. I would imagine there's a few advertising campaigns circled around them right now. But given the extraordinary amounts of money spent by clubs in the Premier League, we are asking, will the billions make it better? At time of writing, it's one more major signing short of a billion pounds that has been spent so far by Premier League clubs over the summer. When you hear this, it'll probably be into nine figures. But will it make any difference to the quality of football? Are clubs investing in success or just being dragged into it by the market? And I don't mean success. I mean spending £50 million on a fullback, which for Andy Hinchcliffe is quite bamboozling. And how many teams will finish higher than last season because of their financial outlay? In other words, what the hell is the point? Will the billions make the Premier League better? You start, Rory. Go on, but don't say but. Go on. <laughs> no. Never start a sentence with the word but. No but or just no? Just, no I think in, in the round, the Premier League quality, a sort of median quality next season, this season, I, I can never work out whether it's this season or next season at this point, will not be a vast amount higher than it was last season or the season before or the season before that. In fact, compared to five, six, seven years ago, it will probably be worse. Uh, but that's ba- oh no I did it, <laughs> I did it. There you go. everybody drink <laughs> that's okay on, on the bingo sheet it's not but it's not it's not a transitional word said quickly the, the but that you've got to avoid oh, it's like is it's the it's like emphasised <gasps> yeah okay but into something else so you're fine there will be individual teams within that who improve obviously whether the overall quality goes up I would question wholeheartedly I feel this is this is an area of feelings that Though the Premier League clubs are spending more money, they are basically buying the same players just at inflated prices. Does anybody think yes? Or should we just knock this on the head and put the kettle on? We do have a competition to tell everybody about later, yeah. so should we could give that half that? an hour instead of our It just seems <laughs> the money that the top six plus Everton are spending is going to create an even bigger gulf between them and the rest. So maybe if you talk about the... Is the top, is the challenge to win the title going to be better? Well, Manchester City, Manchester United, league. Chelsea and Everton yeah. are so far the top four spenders. Again, when you hear this, it might have changed. Will that be the top four? Will there be a direct correlation no. between spending no, and success? No, there is a huge problem in that we, we assume that a, a good window, I'm doing the inverted commas with my fingers, a good window is... Double glazed. Is the window oh, in yeah. which, crenellated, in which you have spent a lot of money and signed a lot of players. To me, that's not a good window. It certainly isn't the, doesn't automatically make it a good window. It, Everton, for example, have been widely praised for spending a lot of money and it may well work out brilliantly for them. Whether any of those signings settle, whether they improve the team considerably, whether they might have some impact, they might not take them into fourth, fifth, wherever, you know, wherever they, they're aiming to go. That, that no one has any idea yet. It's impossible to say that Everton have had a good window on or you know in early August. It, you you can't say that until August the thirty first, and you probably can't say that until December. To be perfectly honest, the top six of last season will be the top six at the end of this season, almost certainly. And Everton are spending frantically to try and make a yeah. change to that. But I'm although not at sure. the moment it's only fifteen, sixteen million dollars dollars pounds net. 
because they sold Lukaku. Yeah. So if you think about how, how they're yeah. replacing a player, yes, but they, they've only actually spent they a invested bit a, more. They invested a year ago as well. They're trying to do so again. Their ambitions are clearly to break into Absolutely, the top yes. six. Yeah, but they'll, those, be, they'll yeah. be better than they were last season. They will yeah. be, yeah. but they'll, they'll yeah. probably still finish seventh because the, the, the top six were, are that far ahead already that you're effectively relying on one of those clubs to have a complete meltdown and maybe Arsenal are the, are the most likely candidates for that and, and for them to tumble out of contention rather than being able to play catch-up to replace them. So if, if we're talking, say we take Everton out of it, we look at the top six. How many players roughly do we think the top six have bought during the course of the summer? Are we talking 25? No, not that many. Not that no, many? No, not well, at, the, not thus, at this stage again. Thus far, you know, we've got to say, of all those signings, is the top six, the competition, going to be better? Is the quality of football going to be better because there's better players now at, the, at those clubs? But in terms of the division as a whole, you, you cannot say... Uh, you can't compare Bournemouth to, to Manchester United. It's just impossible. So we can only really talk about the top six, Everton, and then the rest of the league. And it's how maybe the money that the teams out of the top seven have spent is it going to change their fortunes? That, to me, is the really interesting thing because the top six, as Steve said, so is cast in the, stone. The mid-ranking teams, yeah. when we said earlier on, what, what, what the hell is the point? Perhaps the, the question is, for those outside the top six in Everton, what the hell is the point? West Ham have spent around £40 million at the time that we record this. Yeah. Stoke have spent nothing. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about two different ways of realising perhaps that there isn't any point. And no one really wants to play for Stoke, though, do they? <laughs> I, th- I had to tip. I did a World Service thing that Steve and, and Hugh uh, set me up with. A f- a we were, we were all in, in the building on well, the same a, day. Was, they shouldn't allow that, should they? <laughs> That's true. It should be an insurance. They left you're you're your, your allegiance is elsewhere. Wait a You could have just said, I did a World Service. Yeah, you just did a World Service. You didn't need to mention them. They didn't that. set it up. You're brilliant at what you do. No, they got have, you through the door. As, as has been the case with my entire career, Yeah, my friends have done me favours and I've got to a position I don't deserve. Okay. And he's done very few back. The, mm. that's, that's, that's true, isn't it? I'm very ungrateful. Uh, the but I <laughs> they, they also asked me for a like a prediction who's going to finish where top four or bottom three. Yeah, Stoke were my my surprise oh, really? could be relegated package. Does I think Stoke have plateaued? Mm-hmm. What Chinch raises raised three really interesting subjects. Did of, I? You? Yeah, of three. Which, hang on a minute. Your job flourish. See you later. Of which what? I can Get remember coat. two. <laughs> One, I think it. it and it's really important to the, the subject as introduced, which is whether the lead is better or not is, can kind of be two things. Are we talking about an improvement in quality mm-hmm. or are we talking about an improvement in competition? So I, I think the, top, the, the battle, it is impossible. If you, if you strip away your sort of club partisanship, it's almost impossible to say who's going to finish in the top four. We know who the six of them will be with a kind of the kind of Everton caveat, which is if everyone clicks at Everton and mm-hmm. two of the big... Well, but the thing is, you need three of the big teams to, to Yeah, you'd have to, to have other, uh, yeah, other teams underperforming. Of the top four, it's going to be them or them. It's not going to be yeah. them or Bournemouth no, or them not, or it's, yeah, Watford. It's, it's a closed yeah. shop yeah. among those six, realistically, and maybe, hopefully, does it would be great if Everton could join them, those seven. Um, so, that, But that doesn't mean that the quality of those teams is any better. The only way of gauging that is in Europe... And in Europe in the last five, six years, English teams have been uniformly dreadful, basically. The other issue that I think is really important is to, to do with those mid-rank teams. This thing about there's a big leap between the Championship and the Premier League, I think that's not true at all. I think the top eight of the... Chinch watches more yeah, of the Championship yeah, than I yeah. do, but top eight of the Championship, bottom 12 of the Premier League, pretty much all much of a muchness. It seems like West Ham and Southampton maybe will be a bit better than what Sheffield Wednesday, but there's not. 
It's not if you put Sheffield Wednesday up against West Ham in a two-legged game, home and away, West Ham would probably win, but it wouldn't be by much. I wouldn't have thought. I don't think there's. I think for Newcastle, for Huddersfield, and for Brighton, there is a bit of a gap, but not a vast one anymore. It's I, not. It's not one that you used to. Maybe five, ten years ago, you get promoted to the Premier League and you think, wait a minute, we need seven, eight players yeah. here just to survive. Those like teams that, could actually. Although Huddersfield have done that. Well, they, they, they've yeah, spent. Because Huddersfield, they, they've had to do because they did massively overachieve. Even though they deserved to get promoted, everything absolutely went as well as it could do. And Wagner knew that once they got promoted, that team would, wouldn't give itself a chance of staying. No matter, I think it is very close in the Premier League. But he thought, I need four or five, six players. The squad needs fleshing out because we surely can't have a season like we did last season where everything goes to plan with no injuries and the way that we play teams in the Premier League will have worked them out. So they had to do that. Newcastle already had a, a pretty sizable squad, decent squad. They made a few signings, but Newcastle won't go down. Brighton won't go down. I still think Huddersfield could be in the mix for it. But again, we're looking at probably seven or eight teams that could be in the bottom but three. But the thing is with Huddersfield, so it is very you, I th- I th- I th- I th- funny if I have more worries about Newcastle and Brighton than I do about Huddersfield, but... Huddersfield has spent money partly to get players who were there already back, back permanently. Yeah, that's yeah. that's yes. distorted it a little bit, yeah. Aaron Moy and people like that. Um, they've had a go, Stephen Mooney. I think Scott Malone's a brilliant signing. Mm-hmm. I really like Scott Malone. Yeah. And Danny Williams yes. from Reading is a great signing. Yeah, fabulous, yeah. And that's five million for the pair of them. It's not a lot of money. Stephen Mooney from Montpellier and the striker, the Poitra, the striker they got yes. from Porto. Yep, yep. They've gone for goals. It's it's made sense what they've done. Newcastle and Brighton, I'm not not so sure about. But the thing is that with either of those two, with any sorry, any of those three, would you look at them? And I mean no disrespect, and say they're a lot worse than Burnley or Swansea Sunderland. or look at Sunderland from last season. Yeah, like there's, I just don't think even like West Brom, who I think finished did West Brom finished eighth last year. They did. No, Southampton yeah. finished eighth. Did Southampton finished yeah, eighth. Yeah. yeah, West Brom were ninth. We're ninth. But they were eighth for a lot of the yeah. season and nose dived at the end. There was and just then, yeah, they, right on the final day there was a flurry of, but they of got goals to, right yeah. in the final minutes of games at the end of the season, which sort of distorted the table. Really, yeah. was West Brom got to ninth, got to forty points, and then and basically I, yeah. they didn't yeah. win another game. Yeah, they just said we've done our job, we're going to stay up, and they just stayed there. I mean, I guess the, the key question then is which of the team of all the teams in the Premier League probably excluding the the three newly promoted ones because they obviously have had to make improvements to get themselves ready for the lead. Who's got better in the transfer window? With all this nearly a billion pounds spent, which teams look significantly better? Mm. I'm not sure whether the answer to that question is the transfer window or whether it's potentially coaching, which is something we've talked about before, whether a team like Swansea will do an awful lot better this season with with Paul Clement having eased himself in. They obviously finished last season with a bit of a flourish. You don't sort of go into the season thinking, oh, Swansea are going to struggle again. You have a little bit more confidence Mm. in them. So, and, and, you know, you mentioned Stoke haven't invested. We have seen teams in in other parts of Europe, Bayern are quite a good example, who've decided that we're just not getting involved in this. I know they've they've brought James Rodriguez in on loan, but we're not getting involved. This is absolutely crazy. There's too much money flying around. You know, there's no value in the market to coin a phrase of a man we all know reasonably well well that um, you know why get involved in it let's just try and be better with what we've got and hopefully some of this craziness will die down yeah but in terms of the league it isn't it isn't one league is it we can't because no, no. it's not it's not a level playing field clearly there's a race so for eighth and there's yes, a race to yes. avoid the drop that's basically. basically all the rest of the league is doing is trying to finish eighth and if you if you finish eighth you basically win the league mm. because there's no way on earth 
that you're going to challenge the, the, the top six plus Everton. So it's the other race, the race to not be left behind. So if Manchester City is spending 200 million, do Manchester United think, oh, goodness me, we have to spend 200 million? Or the other way round, do Manchester United buy a strike of 75 million and Manchester City think, oh, goodness me, we need to make sure that we keep up with that because otherwise it's that whole running to stand still thing. If everybody mm. else is improving and spending incredible amounts of money just to stay with them and just to feel like you're going to be able to compete at the same level, you have to spend that amount of money. Is there a little bit of kind of games more brinkmanship if you like well I don't know does I th- Steve, what Steve says really 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 significant I think which is it's to do with coaching so you look at Liverpool and Spurs and li- Liverpool have added three as we're, at the time of recording Spurs have added none but there you go that's one that was the big one that was the big one right there you would you would say that in Klopp and Pochettino they have two coaches who don't seem to particularly prioritise they don't equate spending money with being a sort of symbol of success they don't see that as a prerequisite for doing well. Liverpool have strengthened, I think, sensibly. Salah was kind of what they, they needed pace because they were too reliant on Mane. Solanke's quite a bright signing. Signed, oh, and Andy Robertson was... They needed a left-back, so they've gone and signed a sort of... But not a budget left-back, but mm. as close to a budget left-back as you'll get in 2017. Spurs have said, if we can't get anyone who improves on what we've got, we're not buying, which is the, the buying approach. I don't necessarily feel as though those two have fallen way way back compared to what I think City will be significantly better this year they're the one team who you look at and have really improved but I don't think Lacazette makes Arsenal a vast amount better maybe a little bit better and Chelsea have spent 135 million quid and looked basically on paper the same the same (laughs) they've kind of sold Matic and brought him back a Yoko that might be a bit of an upgrade and I'm not saying that any of these players are bad I should make that abundantly clear but is Bakayoko transformative compared to Matic? Probably not. But Chelsea are doing the thing that Huddersfield are doing. They need extra numbers to be able to to, to cope with the Champions League as well. But they've not well. even added the numbers. But they're trying to, though. That's what I mean. Yeah. That, that's what they're going to try and do because he's probably happy with, with the quality of his squad that won the league. But they're going they to, did win the league inst- very easily. Instead of 45 games, yeah. they're going to play 60, maybe yeah. 65 games if And would that successful. not be your concern with Liverpool? I mean, I take your point about Klopp's capabilities as a coach, but they are going to have to play a heck of a lot more games yeah. this coming do you know, season. I, saw, I read a thing a few days ago which said that the um, it was a pre like a pre season preview of Liverpool and it said um, the you know they need a, obviously the Van Dijk cater thing has kind of distracted them and I th- I think those two positions Liverpool do have to strengthen if they want to improve certainly improve on fourth I don't think that anyone should pretend that Liverpool are going to win the Champions League last sixteen quarterfinals is roughly where they should be aiming if they're lucky it said that um, you know cent- central defence remains a worry with only Dejan Lovren Joel Matip. Radnard Levan, <laughs> Joe Gomez as options. You think, well, you, you've got four, so you, what you're saying is they've got Oman and Sacco. You've got two players, two two positions and five players to fill it. That that doesn't suggest a shortage. You can debate the quality of those players. Yes. But there's not. It, 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 I find it really hard to feel sorry for a team that's only, oh, we've only got five central defenders. <laughs> Make them work. Defensive coaching is all about... Mm. Defensive solidity is about coaching. It's not about individual ability. I'd, I'd like to see what coaching goes on because normally I always tend to think: do, do a, Does a top coach buy a player if he's in his mid twenties? Do they do they feel well? I'm buying a player who should know the job of playing centre half or left back. How much coaching? I'd be really interested to see how much coaching Conte does or Mourinho does with defenders that he buys. Like Lindelof, who's gone to Man United, is he going to be coaching him how to play, or would he presume that? You know, you know how doing. to play. That's why I bought you. So I just let you get on with it. So the coaching side of it does really interest me to see what they actually do. But do you feel there's any sides in the top six that have bought players because other teams are buying players? Or have they all bought players? to? Str- they've looked at their own situations. I don't care what Chelsea are doing. Don't care what Liverpool are doing. We will buy players for ourselves. 
And whether that's 50 million, 200 million, we are going to buy players for our squad to improve. We're not going to buy them. Like you said, do they do they look at other clubs and think, well, if they're spending 200 million, do we have to do the same? Because our fans will expect that. Surely there's no club in the top I, six I just buying because everybody else is. If you take every specific example, no. But if mm. you think about an overarching policy yeah. or a, a fear of being left behind, that might inform some decisions. But you're mm. right. Manchester United needed a striker. Yes. So they bought Romelu Lukaku. Yes, yeah. Manchester City needed defenders. If you think about the amount of players that have come into City and the amount of players that have left, they, they've, they lost eight. I think they've brought in five or six so far. But he they clearly the need yeah. Manchester City needed a defender, so they bought them all. Yeah. <laughs> Defenders. Um, but, but it's been got, driven by they, their own needs, isn't but it? Yes, yeah, they, they, spent, they yeah. got rid of there is yeah, four one, or five. There is one that I would maybe... I don't think... Yeah, you, I, you don't like, like Danilo, do you? I don't know. I don't. I, I think Danilo. I'm offended by the concept that you have to pay that the world's greatest coach oh, yeah. well, yes. has to pay 26 million pounds for his backup right back. I think that's ridiculous. I, this is a point that I'm making only on numbers, not on oh, the yeah, amount no. of money spent. I know. I think. I think City have identified a need, and it was an obvious need, and they've gone out to rectify it. Don't object to that at all. It makes perfect sense. I am slightly, uh, and this is stealing a line from a friend of a friend. I'm slightly kind of put out by the idea that Pep Guardiola, who I love, love Guardiola, that his kind of pitch is, I'm the greatest manager in the world. I can guarantee success. All that I will need is the best player in every single position. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and also money. a backup that might be worth similar amount yeah, of money. That's all I need and I can, I can work my magic. The man's a genius. And I do, agree, I, I do agree with Mourinho, which is not a sentence that anyone will ever put on bingo. But the... That I think that the the danger in the market is not 200 million for Neymar or even 54 million for Kyle Walker or 75 million for for Lukaku. I don't think they're problematic. I think the problem is when you are spending 25, 30, 40 million pounds on on reserves. I think that's stupid. That City have invested, and it, I'm not pitching on City. They've invested so much in their in their academy since Abu Dhabi took over. Are you telling me you haven't got someone who might be a half decent right back? Because if you haven't, they've got, got a half decent right back. He's called Pablo Maffeo, and he's, yeah. and he's yes. really he's gone, good. On loan, yes. gone on loan to the and, in no and way dodgy relationship with with Girona. <laughs> You're going to say Verona then? No, I was going to say Verona. Verona and Girona. The so I think Verona a problem. But I was going to say the one club that I, I think yeah, I think City have improved. The transfer market has improved Manchester City and Manchester United. I think it's tweaked Liverpool for the better. It can't really do anything to Spurs because. Yeah. They've only they've sold Kyle Walker. Well, so let's let's talk about Spurs. But can we talk about the other club in North London? That's the one team that I think might. Okay, we'll go back to Spurs after to Arsenal. Then. What Chinch has said, I do wonder whether Wenger's thinking with signing Lacazette has at least part, and only, probably only in part, been influenced by the idea. Look, we, we're going to need to sign one player, one name player, because I don't think Lacazette makes Arsenal a lot better. If well, I'm I, completely honest, I saw a lot of Lacazette and Gomez playing together in France mm. before Gomez joined Swansea, and he was clearly the better of the two players. And let's be honest, didn't have the best of times in the Premier League and, and disappeared almost as, as quickly as it arrived. So it does make you, you, you know, Lacazette clearly has improved mm. in the, the two years since that partnership was broken up. But it does, it does concern you then that Arsenal are, are putting all their sort of £50 million worth of eggs in a basket of a player who was the second best striker at the club and, and it didn't work out for the guy who was ahead of him. And also a player that they've thought about signing for about three years and you think well at some point probably could, could have got well, cheaper as well 12 million three years ago well partly that but partly what so if he wasn't ready then is he what, what's do you know what I mean like what's kind of convinced you now that it could be that that Vendor's seen a vast improvement like I said and he, he's a good player I'm not saying he's not a good player but I, I just don't think he's a, a massive upgrade on Giroud or Walcott or whoever they were playing through the middle so do you feel Arsenal have fallen into step with a lot of the other 
sides challenging for the Premier League. I think their fans expected them to spend money because they haven't really done that like the other clubs have done that over the years. Was it the time now, Wenger signs a new contract, now we've got to start spending money if we're going to get anywhere. So that, is that why this process has started for Arsenal? I think that idea of Arsenal not spending money is really outdated. And not, not having no, but it is new. compared to, obviously, what the other sides have spent. I've seen they've the stats never, and stuff. They've never what done they've, what City have done. No. Yeah, yeah. Or well, Chelsea. Oh, yeah, or, or all United. the other clubs above them. Yes, yeah, yeah. I just, and it's not necessarily that's a, a bad thing no, because no, no, of no. the style of football, the way they want to but, run the club. But, but this summer, are they starting to think differently spent in terms of what they have to spend? heavily on Sanchez. They were one-offs. They spent more now. But I've certainly seen it infographic prior to this a what? That's an infographic wow. like from the 1970s infographic did that come up on the vidi printer <laughs> go on sorry Stephen sorry sorry he's, he's utterly so, no carry on stuff you, you no I love point. it I love infographic the, I love even infographic before, <laughs> even <laughs> even Google before this, this summer's frenzy of spending Arsenal were, were third or fourth in the list of you know spenders over the last decade or so mm. it is a bit you know it is a how bit one of those how far behind the first and second though well probably quite far enough figures I saw but were we enormous amounts. that would have been on a second infographic providing context a contextual infographic let's go over to Steve Wire for the <laughs> infographic you could do that I'm with Steve on this one I don't understand why Chips <laughs> thinks the word infographic is so funny have you ever heard it before yes you've heard infographic have you heard it before Hugh it sounds like the kind of thing that you would have on an Amsterdam computer in the 1980s. That's not what I'm asking. Have you heard the word infographic yes. before? Oh, God. It is the sort of is word they've used on Star Trek to sound futury, isn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, exactly. Slightly I was very impressed. I'm, I'm not a Trekkie, I hasten to add at this point. We, uh, we have a new touchscreen on the BBC Sports set, and goodness me, if Steve and I haven't dived in feet first into that, maybe maybe infographic is coming back. There you go, it could be. Touchscreen. Could be the next thing. Join me at the touchscreen as we head into some infographics. <laughs> on Spurs, <laughs> On Spurs. Crunch, crunch, crunch. It's really, really... It, there's, there's partly a financial imperative that they've not done it to the new stadium. And Spurs' big problem will be whether they can get used to playing, playing at Wembley and everyone else being massively up for playing at Wembley. Every team they face will be thinking, this is brilliant, we're at Wembley. Yeah. That will be a problem. They'll have Spurs. a load of fans there on a day yeah. out, won't they? Yeah. The, it would be great for England, for everyone, if Spurs won the league without signing anybody. Because yeah. it, would, it would show that there is, there is another way. And I'm not anti-transfers at all. But I, do, but I do think. <laughs> can, we, can we change the box to saying? But uh, can we have a klaxon? Can I go? <laughs> <laughs> hang on. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what will change your I'm ways. Just check, checking the bingo for Chinch's klaxon. No, the klaxon's not on there. I've only used it twice. The. Um, I've lost my <laughs> <laughs> it, would, no, it would be brilliant if Spurs won the league because everybody realises possible. <laughs> the problem is we've got into this situation now where, and I, uh, this is the kind of the final fourth wall where you're not meant to have a go at fans. You know, whenever whenever England crash out of a major tournament, everyone says, "Oh, we should fix this, and we should fix that, and we should fix the other." Part of the problem with English football is the culture, and the culture is driven by the people who are around it, and that's the media and the fans. And no one's no one ever is prepared to say in a position of authority the fans need to change their minds like you can't have it where when it, the, the national team are keeping possession on the halfway line the fans are going attack throw it forward that's a problem so it's you know it's something we're all responsible for but no one ever wants to, the FA never wants to say actually do you know what our fans maybe need to grow up a little bit and change the, the, the sports change get over it I'm hoping that this is a safe space and that our listeners <laughs> are sufficiently sophisticated that they will agree with me and the media have a responsibility too is that the definition of sophistication agreeing with you not, it's or, not officially, but we're getting there. Right. Or just not abusing you on Twitter. <laughs> not abusing you on Twitter. But the, the, um, it's the same with transfers, that the whole culture now is, why aren't you spending money? You should be spending money. We're a big team. We should be spending money. You, are you not ambitious? Spend more money. And it's, it's, it's incredibly toxic. Because at some point, 
all bubbles burst. So at some point, everyone's going to run out of money, and I don't know how it will happen. It doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. It will happen. But again, you don't want to be the first to do that because no. other people won't, and you'll be left behind. Exactly. But what what I, what I like so much about Spurs is they are, then they've not said we're not going to spend. They've just said we're going to we'll spend if we find the right player, which is how it should be. How it was for a hundred years that you bought the right player, mm. you use money to, but not just to buy players. Not just to spend 26 million quid on your backup right back. Um, Daniel Levy also likes the old game of brinkmanship, doesn't he? He likes taking it until 11pm on transfer window day. So it, yeah, might, which it I, might be an element so there of might, There might be a flurry later. And I'm sure they will sign players, but it's the fact they've not kind of got involved with this sort of splurge mentality where you just you, you have to, you have money so you have to spend it and you're you're a big club so you have to sign more players. It doesn't mm. I would like to ask Andrew Hinchliffe a question, which is Everyone always says you need to freshen things up by mm-hmm. bringing, bringing new players in. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, but when I played, it was a very different world. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you were a Yorkshire. I was a Yorkshire. <laughs> the, there was certainly no infographics back then. <laughs> I, I thought Howard there were Ke- only infographics. Howard back then. Kendall never said, "Let's settle down with some infographics." <laughs> um, but, it, but it wasn't. Y- yes, of course, one or two players. Could maybe, but you had a bulk of, of a squad, and that was important. You keep that together because that's what took you on yeah. from season to season. Changing and changing, change, even changing formations and changing personnel. I wasn't happy with it because you, you couldn't build those understandings up. So bringing fresh players in, but that's just the modern way of but they've it, got all the money to spend. That's the way that it seems to. That's what you have to do these days: is buy five players every summer. Just because something's convention doesn't mean it's no. Right. No, I'm not saying it's right at all. But that is just the way that it is now. So players have to be more adaptable to play with one player one season, one player the next, because that is how it's going to happen. So either you actually get on with it. You can't complain about it because that is what's going to happen if you're playing in a, in a top six side. But that's just the way that again football has changed. But those understandings are crucial. Absolutely, well, football yeah. is about partnership. Yes. So, a team's not actively maybe, and this is this is not something there's any proof of. But you know this thing that English teams don't perform well in Europe, which we've all kind of accepted now. Maybe that's not cured by signing loads of players. Maybe it's caused by signing loads of players all of the time. Bayern are a lot more consistent in their team. Real Madrid, Bayern. Juve to an extent, maybe Barcelona. They've all had a lot more consistency in their team. They yeah. do have the luxury, though, of not having their domestic authority challenged too greatly. Oh, That's Steve, come on, don't buy into that. That is the, the slight difference of the situation. Is we've, we've spoke, I've spoke, said this before, is that the, the, the talent pool is much more thinly spread in the Premier League. So despite the fact that clubs have got all this money to spend, it's a, much harder for a Premier League club now to win the Champions League than it is for the dominant side in any one of the other top leagues because they've got the cream of the crop in, in terms of that division. That, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying the stand, that they're not playing at a high standard every yeah. year. That's not what I mean. I mean that you know Bayern unquestionably have got the best squad in Germany. PSG yeah. have got the best squad in France. Juve in Italy. It's, it's a lot harder to pin the answer to that question down in the Premier League. Yeah, that, that is true. That is tr- that there is, there, there's more teams that compete. But whether that's a function of the rest of the... Yeah, the point at which I disagree is that I don't think that's because the rest of the league is bad. I think it's because Bayern, Real, Barcelona and Juve are all amazing. Yeah, yeah. And there isn't an amazing team in the Premier League. But that doesn't mean that, to revert to the subject, maybe part of the problem there is because the Premier League teams have so much churn every year, whereas in Europe it is 
it's less pronounced. Yeah, because they're spending money on not great players, so they're yeah. having to recycle them. And then, but then the understandings never build up within those players. And that's maybe why Tottenham are booking the trend and saying, well, we've got a formation that we like to play. We've lost Kyle Walker. Who are we looking to sign? Maybe Jeremy uh, Tollian, the yeah. German under-21 player for 12 million quid. Young player that can come in, can learn our ways. And we're not spending 50 million, we're spending 12. So I, whether that's a conscious or they're trying to sign any number of players and they can't get them, or maybe they're just saying, we don't want to, we don't have to sort of feel the need to spend between 50 and 100 million. We'll buy just the right player. The one lost we need. One, we, need to, yeah. we need to replace that, him with somebody. That speaks to something that we were saying in the trans- transfer episode which was the most downloaded episode because Andy Hinchcliffe wasn't involved but there we, we were saying Cruel. everybody's nodding oh Chinch you're not but Steve didn't nod <laughs> Steve smiled have you got an infographic it was <laughs> to, to actually explain this an, in, an infographic of my face right back there would have been a pity smirk <laughs> in your general direction but we said that there's no value there is no yeah. such thing as value and the problem is if you've got a player out there who is of value everybody will want him and so his price will then go up, mm. and so there's no value anymore. And so Spurs trying to find that player, it might mean that they have to wait until right at the end of the transfer window to see if anybody else wants him, yeah, yeah. and then get them for the kind of price that they think is a value price. Mm-hmm. But that's so, so rare. And we've spoken about whether that's because scouts aren't doing their jobs, or whether people are just a little bit lazy, and they say, oh, they played well against us, or I saw them on television and they were good, mm-hmm. and so you know I'm going to buy them. Yeah. And that means that the club that have them is going to charge them 50 million quid, Mm. then fine, then it's laziness. But I think that's the issue, is that too many people have money, and so you haven't got enough players to go around for everybody to have value purchases. But but the bigger problem is that too many clubs just want to sign players. They kind of look at... Yeah, and one of the things that I liked most about Conte last year was that he he was the Victor Moses parable, which I think would have been a great addition to the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Which was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that he looked at Victor Moses. No one thought at the start of last year. There's oh, enough yeah. Moses in the Bible. Yeah. And the wing back went forth into the wilderness. <laughs> he parted the seeds of rival Premier League defences. But no one thought. If, if, I, if I sat here on the. Were we doing this podcast at the start of last year? We weren't, were we? No, no. December is when we started. December. Mm. So if, we, if, if this was last year and I'd have been like, yeah, I, you know, I can see Victor Moses being a key, yeah. key component. Well, Martin, the, Mo- the, Mo- the Moses former, Marcus Alonso. Former former Marcus Bar- Alonso. Yes, exactly. Former Bolton player Marcus Alonso. But what Conte did was he looked at. And the, in fact, the two of them prove exactly what. Not, I don't want to say what managers should do. So it's not for me to say what managers should do. But the, the, what I like it, what I like to see managers do, which is he looked at Moses and thought, "You can, I can make you work in this system. I will work with what I've got." And then he went out and signed Alonso, who was exactly the player he needed in that system. That's what. That's how transfers should work. You should identify a need, as Man City have done. So Kyle Walker at 54 million is not overpriced because Man City needed a top quality Premier League ready right back. That's what Kyle Walker is. So the value in the market is the price of Kyle Walker. Just Kyle Walker is what you need. It's when, and same with Mendy. Mendy's not overpriced as they need a left back as well. It's when you go and get a player who's kind of the same as what you've got already, but you feel that you want to freshen up. Again, I'm doing the air quotes. You need to freshen up the squad to keep, the, you know, keep things going. And it, all it does is mess up with your team's dynamic, its rhythm. And you, all you've got is a 40 million player replacing the 25 million player you signed a year ago. They're both basically the same. Who would have been worth 25 million a year yeah. ago anyway? The yeah. only difference is, is you've got more money to spend and that is the infuriating yeah. thing about it. Think of the ways that you could be investing that money in other ways. And that is the general trend. That is yeah. those signings. And that's the market forcing yeah. you to spend that yeah. amount of money when yeah. you probably don't want to but have to because everybody else is. And I also think that uh, the other leagues are a little bit devious, aren't they? There's a little bit of devilment about the way that they're all aghast about how much money the Premier League <laughs> has got when actually in reality all this happening to that money is it's either getting recycled around the big clubs in the Premier League 
And then either immediately or eventually it filters down to elsewhere in Europe anyway. So everybody sort of benefits from the the mega bucks Premier League TV deal. FIFA TMS, who the oversee the transfer system, I think produce graphics on infographics, infographics every year on See. where the on where transfer money ends up. And I think I tried to track it last year, and the, yeah, like the the Ligue 1 in France got 100, about 130 million quid of the Premier League TV deal. Germany got 150, yeah. Serie A got 90. Those TV deals are brilliant for the rest of Europe because that's where that's where all of the money ends up. So there's no guarantee spending money bringing players to clubs in the Premier League is going to improve the quality of the football we're going to see next season. I'd go further. I'd say that the amount of players the Premier League is addicted to signing actively discourages improvement in quality. Well, whether that's right or not, wow. As all news reporters say in packages when they don't have the answers on the six o'clock news, remains to be seen. <laughs> Um, we move on. Instead um, of having a soccer story uh, this week... Oh, it's good because I didn't have one. Chinch doesn't prepare very well. You have to give him at least eight weeks' notice. Yeah. Um, we're going to be opening up the set-piece menu post-box. Uh, but before that, can I introduce everybody listening? And this is the moment where you have to, at least for the first time in this episode, pay attention. Best Man Billy. You remember Best Man Billy? He's been mentioned a few times on this podcast. Um he and I, over the last few years, have been meeting up at a pub in London at some point during the summer, and while enjoying some social drinking, have predicted the final positions of the Premier League table for the following season. So, owing to his remarkable technological wizardry, he has been able to extend it so that all of us, four, and also our amazing listeners, uh, can have a go as well. Mm-hmm. So, all you need to do is put the teams in the order you think they'll finish in May, and we have a tremendously simple scoring system that rewards how close your prediction is to the reality, and we'll arrange you all in a league table. You'll be able to see your progress throughout the season, but you only have until the 1st of September, 6 p.m., completely arbitrary time on the 1st of September, to register your predictions. You'll be able to submit your team. And you'll be able to mess with that team until that time. But that is the deadline to get your predictions in. We're giving you until the end of the transfer window because Andy, in a very childish way, dismissed my initial suggestion that we should have it done by the beginning of the season. And he responded to my request uh, by saying this on a note which was circulated on the WhatsApp group. Uh, 1 to 20, Premier League predictions, 17-18. This is Andrew's efforts. There are, and I'm doing one, two, three, yeah, four, yeah. there are still six weeks left of the transfer window, so nobody can possibly make a decent prediction yet. Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he thinks. Uh, we're going to post the link um, to play on the set piece. I'll tell you what, we should have had a box for Wagner or Huddersfield, shouldn't oh. we? Because you mention them all the time, even when you're being disparaging. Uh, we'll post the link to play um, the game on the Set Piece Menu Twitter account. I understand there'll be some sort of handy URL as well that you'll be able to use if you're not on Twitter, but you can also get onto Twitter without being signed up to Twitter. Uh, so all you need to do is click on it and then follow the instructions. Um, you can still Google Set Piece Menu Twitter and find it there without having to log on. As I mentioned, we will uh, all be having a go too, so you'll be able to see how terrible we are at these kind of things. Uh, but please do enter now. Um, just to make us feel popular before the 31st of August so that we don't have you all rushing. Uh, You can edit your selections until the end of August, but you don't need to wait to register. It's much less of a commitment than fantasy football because we're not at all able to do any of that because we haven't got the attention span. So just when you realise your fantasy team is bottom of the league because you've still got Romelu Lukaku in there despite the fact he ruptured Achilles in late August, your predictions will still be as solid as a rock. So don't worry. Head to the Set Piece Menu Twitter page, give us a follow, click on the link to register your predictions in the Set Piece Menu 
Premier League Predictions League or SPMPLPL as nobody will call Catchy. it between now and the end of May the prize nothing what or the equivalent of nothing so honour respect a signed copy of Mister honour and respect is not the equivalent of nothing is no it? it's not it's more than nothing if you fought in the war that's quite something isn't it yeah, but the, the prize for fighting what? the war was winning the war yeah I don't think anybody's like going to be dishing out Victoria crosses or purple hearts for doing <laughs> well in I, the prediction we not, somebody could, could got it not, absolutely yeah, spot I, on we not all he, throw... he crashed my punchline a signed copy of Mister yeah well, that, I was going to say could we not all throw something in I've got a signed copy of Mister so that's two signed copies of Mister I've got a copy of Mister that needs to be signed right I oh, did okay. have a copy of Mister where is it is it's it on, on eBay what have you sold it to pieces later? <laughs> 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 what's, what's really important here is that we do not assign any sort of monetary value yeah. to anything that we have as a prize because I think we get into all sorts of bother. Mm. So essentially, it, the prize will be, for the purposes of being on the record, nothing. Okay. Are we clear? Yeah. So not a fully fitted IKEA kitchen. Then. <laughs> no. Okay, we'll leave that. That then. can be arranged privately with you, Andy. Excellent. And, and your Sky Free for rate. one game. Um, so we'll come, we'll come together and we'll, we'll have some sort of meeting over Danishes and coffee and try and figure out um, what we might do. But we're certainly not going to promise anything no. to All anybody. Right. Yeah. But do uh, enter now. That includes you, Chinch. Yes, without, I know. Without, I know. Without are we expecting anyone will actually do it? If they do, then there'll be two signed copies of Mr. in the post. How many teams are in the league? 20. Wow. How, <laughs> if someone gets 18, that would be pretty special, pretty wouldn't going, it? Yeah. Pretty good going. Can you see anyone, Steve, getting it bob on? But it might not be about how many you get right. It will be how badly you get, get the ones wrong, wrong that you get wrong. You yes. see, this is a competition with many layers and great nuance. I, didn't, I never realised. It adds another dimension to the season because you might predict that Swansea are going to struggle and finish 17th. Mm. And they get off to a flyer and there they are in seventh place in the table. And you spend the entire season... Desperately hoping that Swansea yeah, will have a, a bad run. I was going to go alphabetical. <laughs> there we go. We finished the programme today, and apologies, this will be our longest podcast ever, but seeing that we haven't been together for six weeks, yeah. why the hell's not? By opening up for the very first time the set piece menu post box. Um, I have been mentioning throughout the summer that people have been getting in touch, many of them with questions, many of them with abuse, uh, many of them but just, just to say hello and tell us a story or two. But uh, a few people have got in touch with questions, and normally it's questions to chinch. But none of these are. So, Chinch, sit back, relax, try and figure out you want to 20 in the Premier League as we ask these questions. Uh, the first one comes from Ella Brockway in the Seppi's Many Postbox. My name is Ella, says Hello, Ella. Ella. I'm an aspiring sports journalist from New Jersey in the States. I'm heading to university this fall and I'm looking to get into soccer slash football and learn more about the game. And one of the ways I'm doing that is by listening to your podcast. That's a bad start. I'm really enjoying it, especially the summer series on English football. So keep the great episodes coming. She does have a question. I just thought I wouldn't edit out the stuff. The hero grammar. Yeah, keep that in. Keep it in. I'm writing in the hope of getting some recommendations of books that could teach me more about football that aren't written by Peter Slater. Literally anything <laughs> from stuff on basic strategies and understanding of the sport to books on history and culture. Mister is obviously on the list. And I've been told that uh, Game of Our Lives and The Ball is Round, both by David Goldblatt, are also good. So just very quickly, books to recommend for Ella. Bravo 2-0 by Andy McNabb. That wasn't a team formation, was it? No, no. no bypass me, bypass me. The, the Shoot Annual is a good read. And it's a Better great match stocking annual? filler. Yeah, I'm, I was always a shoot man over, the, over match, yeah. Uh, Inverting the Pyramid by Jonathan Wilson uh, as a tactical overview uh, I quite like yeah Game of Our Lives is, is really good um, in terms of general history maybe concentrate on countries so Brilliant Orange by David Winner Football by Alex Bellos uh, Wilson again 
the one about angels. What's it called? Angels with Dirty Faces about Argentina. Uh, what's uh, Raph Honigstein's book? Raph Honigstein. Das Reboot is brilliant. There's loads. Um, and also Tor, which is Uli Hesse... Uli Hesse's book on German football. If you could only read one. It's like Desert Island books. <laughs> if you could only read one football book, which one would you recommend to Ella? I, 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 don't, I can't. It's like asking me to choose between my wife and my dog. <laughs> I was going to say between um, my children. Well, it's obviously the dog, isn't it? Yeah, it's the dog. <laughs> uh, one book. Mister. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's... there's, there's um, tell you what, I will, I'll take a picture... We're currently between shelves. We've got some <laughs> shelving issues at home. Awkward. Uh, I've got to re 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 reorganise all my books. Uh, I will take a picture of my bookshelves and tweet it to Ella, who I think I have seen on Twitter, um, and then she can take a pic. I would just say uh, pet <laughs> confidential, Marty Perrino, because it was very instructive. If you particularly mm. like uh, that part of things, from Jake Bayliss. So thank you to Ella. From Jake, I am a big fan of the podcast. Again, this was very important that I kept this in, and its vague conclusions. And especially enjoyed your first part on transfers, which, since you'll remember, you weren't involved in. I was intrigued by your comments on when to credit or disguise your sources. My question is open to all of you, but Rory in particular. And it is this. How do you substantiate your articles if all the quotes you are given appear to be off the record? And how often does this prevent you from running stories? Rest assured, the podcast is now firmly embedded within my schedule, he says. Uh, so it's harder for the NYT than it is for British papers. Um, we are quite big on source quotes and not, not taking what people might call hearsay as fact. Uh, the, it partly, you tr always try, if someone says something to you and it's off the record, you will always go and run it by two or three people who should know. You can't always do that. You can't always get, get to them. They quite often won't tell you if they, if, if they don't, want, don't want you to know. That's a pretty good sign. And then you kind of run it through your, in, your instincts, really. It depends how good the source is that you've got it from, and it depends what other people have said to you. And to an extent, it depends on your kind of knowledge and what you think is likely to be true. You, de you develop a relatively good sense of when you're being deliberately misled, I would say. To Jake, thank you. Next, to Charlie. Let me start by expressing my genuine affection for your podcast. Again, <laughs> this is all written by these human beings. In a time where football seems to be becoming a bit too serious, your confectionery-led ramblings are a welcome breath of fresh air. Chinch's soccer stories deserve a podcast in their own right. No, they do not. No. Don't and where's the confectionery? <laughs> well, I have been approached. <laughs> by us. What? <laughs> He's been approached by, by us to do it on our yeah. podcast. Uh, now, I must confess, says Charlie, to being extremely envious of all of you. I'm an undergrad at Exeter Uni who after wasting the best part of 30 grand on an economics degree realises he wants to get into sports media slash journalism Don't I just wondered it. if any of you had any advice for a naive uni student looking to get into the field I appreciate the request for such advice might actually be quite common so please only reply if you're stuck waiting for the New York Times' Rory Smith to return from New York after meeting Francesco Totti as I don't think he's mentioned and have some time <laughs> on your hands even better if you need a motivated intern slash office handyman with an eagerness to learn and efficient team making skills I'll work for any of you for free with no hesitation or contractual obligation, which that is essentially is, mine and Steve's working life. So. That is, no, that what he's describing there is slavery, which I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> You're not comfortable with, no. Unless he happens to just turn up and make tea. Um, Chinch would like to, to give any advice to a young I'm, university student looking I'm to get not to the media right world. I'm because you're professionals, aren't you? You're a professional. And no, I fell into but, it, didn't but like, I? No, you were asked by me to do it. And, and yes, like, and yes. Like I him, fell into it. And like him, you've have, had a previous vocation. I wasn't very really good at that, though, was I? Again, I think I wasted the, 18 the years on football. I should have just gone straight into broadcasting. What do you think? No. No? No. You enjoyed my football career I so much. I loved yes, watching you play. Yeah, uh, Steve uh, had some interesting thoughts on this one. Well, you need to get as much experience as you possibly can. 
and across a broad range of, of mediums. Have a go at newspapers, have a go at writing, television, radio. Uh, that is the best way to find out, A, what you're good at, B, what you enjoy doing, and, and C, what sort of career path is one that you're going to feel passionately enough about to make the sacrifices you'll need to follow. I think that local media is a good way to, to learn those, those tra- the, the trade skills because you do get an opportunity to, to dabble at, at all aspects. Um, Hugh and I both worked in local re- radio for a long time before we then were, went to work for, for BBC Network Radio and then moved into television. And, and we found out during our time in local radio where you have to present a bit, you have to read the, the sports news, you have to produce your own programmes, you have to go out and report on games. You discover which aspects of the job that you excel at and which aspects of the job you enjoy. And it makes sure that when it comes to concentrating on, on how you're going to forge a career, you are doing so in, in, a, in a manner and in a fashion that, that you stand your best chance of success. That is how Steve discovered that his greatest skill is bantering with Nicky Campbell. <laughs> that is definitely not my best skill, or at least I hope it's not my best skill. And do you have to just keep at it as well? Because they will, trying to get a start, it's difficult, isn't yeah. it, these days? So, and also you're going to get knocked back, so you've just got to keep going. I, yeah, that's all, that's all absolutely right. Um, I would say that it's, it's much better... I realise this might offend other people who are different situations. Uh, I think it's much better to do a degree of a subject that you're interested in, such as economics, and then if you want to do a, a journalism qualification, do that later. I think it's better to have the general qualification than to the specific one. Uh, in terms of writing, I can't speak about broadcasting, but in terms of writing, uh, write about write as much as you can. Don't only write about things you're interested in. Try and challenge yourself to do things. Do the People often sort of will get in touch and say, I've written this thing on my favourite player or whatever, and, and would you read it? And it's always brilliant. But that that's not what sports journalists get to do. You have to write things on games. You Apart pay- from the Francesco Totti thing. Apart from Totti. <laughs> you were, you earned that right, though. I, well, no, not really. As I say, basically a lot of people who, who for some reason liked me have done me favours and I am way out of my depth. But the... Yeah, you, the, the steal is, is going to a game, going to a nil-nil draw and still writing 700 words. And writing a new story that you don't care about, interviewing someone that you hate. You know, there's the, you have to kind of write about things that aren't your pet passion because that's not, that's not what earns you money, basically. There's fewer jobs in, in the kind of traditional media industry than there used to be, so it's much harder. But at the same time, there's been a real de- democratisation of the commentariat, which means you do have access and the ability to kind of publish your thoughts as much as possible. Write as much as you can, challenge yourself and find a niche. That's the key thing. If you look at all the people who've come through that new media and are now earning sort of enough to live, does it, that's not easy when you're starting out, enough to live a, a, you know, decent standard of, have a decent standard of living, uh, they find a niche. So Michael Cox is the best example who kind of owns tactics right into the extent that even Owen Coyle hates him. <laughs> and, the, and I think Sean Dice does as well. Uh, so yeah, well, Sean find Dice a niche. Hates you, so. so if you're at university, the University of Exeter, Paul Tisdale, the Exeter manager, is a brilliant bloke get in touch with Exeter they're a really friendly club there might be something that you can do that, that no one else is doing of an aspect of life at Exeter mm-hmm. that showcases your ability whether it's video or reportage for the radio or, or writing find a niche find something that, that you do that nobody else does just there's a million people out there writing here's why I think Man United will win the Premier League there is no demand for that find an, a part of the market that has a demand and try and fill it I could not put it more eloquently I would only rather pithily add expertise and enthusiasm never underestimate the value of reading and learning and experiencing and never underestimate the value of being fun to be around and a pleasure to spend time with 
Have you actually listened to that yourself? Nope. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Maybe where you've fallen short. How long is this podcast? From John McKenzie. Dear The Set Piece Menu. I was wondering if you could give me a hand. I currently have a biro to send Rory Smith as a prize for winning the Biro d'Or. Oh. Biro d'Or. One of the world's most coveted sports writing prizes. As voted... For by you, the fans. I don't know who he's speaking to at this point. If you could possibly let me know how I can send him said biro, I would be very grateful. Unless, of course, if he wants to follow the Ballon d'Or protocol and cook me dinner. Thanks for the podcast, which both myself and my girlfriend very much enjoy. It's nice to know that our listenership isn't a complete sausage fest. Uh, the <laughs> Just pass on Rory's home address I am and not, bank details. I am, not, I am not giving out my home address on the podcast. <laughs> how strange. Uh, we will leave it in the hands of Mr. Rory Smith, whether he deserves or desires to get in touch with you. Uh, thank you to everybody uh, for playing a part in our very first set piece menu post box um, please do continue to subscribe share rate and review we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule if you'd like to be part of a future post box you know how to do it setpiecemenu at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter, at Set Piece Menu as well. That is where we will not only post a picture of the bingo card, uh, but also we will put the link that you need to join our very exciting Set Piece Menu Premier League Predictions League, SPMPLPL. Uh, do go and register your team. You have until 6pm on September the 1st. Thank you to Steve, Andy and Rory. Back together again, and to you for listening as well. We hope you stuck with us and haven't departed in the same way that Andy and Rory did over the summer. We'll be back with another Set Piece Menu for you to enjoy very very soon this might be the first you know, first hour long episode you know you're saying post box don't you put things into a post box take things out of a post bag yes that's absolutely true i have, I have no interest in in making the oh. the title of the feature at all real or accurate because po- it just felt a bit odd post box but does it feel a little bit that? like theft reaching into a post yes. box and taking post it? bag when you say we're, we're reaching other people's ideas when you post bag it's our bag can i it? can i tell you something else that felt a little bit odd did you notice I was walking a little bit strange around the office the other day? In those high heels? <laughs> this I've isn't been, about I, Rory and his hug, is I've it? Been, I've been cycling to work recently in a vain attempt to get fit, and I knew this moment would come. Yes. And I prepared myself mentally for it. But I was, as I was getting showered and changed at work, I realised catastrophically I had not bought clean underwear with me. Oh, no. So I was left with the decision. Do I reuse the underwear that I cycled to work in, or do I tread the chinch path less? Do a chinch. Do I do a chinch and go commando in my jeans? Oh, you, I was going to say, you don't cycle in those Lycra shorts. Of course I do. But do you wear underpants under them as well? Yeah, yeah. I under wear Lycra under, shorts. Because I'm, I'm a sensible human being, I wear underwear. I don't see the Brownlee brothers doing that when they're competing in the triathlons. I'm sure they don't wear a pair of budgie smugglers underneath those really tight Lycras. You wear underpants? How do you get them on? You've completely missed the point of this story, Chinch. <laughs> I haven't. I don't think you I have. have. You have. Is it about not wearing underwear? No. Yes. Which is the point. So I haven't yes. missed the point, have I? I? No, but... No. Yes. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I tried the Chinch method... <laughs> And I have to tell you, yes. it was unpleasant in the extreme. Really? Why? Chafing? All that dangling. Yep. Yeah. Dangling, dangling, chafing. chafing. So you, wet, you wore jeans to cycle in? No, around the office, at work. Oh, you didn't cycle in them? Sorry. <laughs> Carry on. For, for, for a man who tells a story almost every podcast rather well, it's baffling that you can't understand the very, very what simple did you narrative cycle home that has been explained to you. He's a diver, not a taker. <laughs> what did you cycle home in? I put my cycling shorts back on. With no underpants? No, I put the underpants back on for the cycle. Hug. Dirty underpants. Well, they weren't dirty. They were just a little bit sweaty. Clammy. Cycle in.